did it make noise? It's on? Is there any way you can turn off the speaker or just keep the, the mic on? Bruchim Abayim Hashem Tonight is a Shredish Kislev. On a Shredish Kislev in Minhagi Chabad, we say Gut Yomtev. As we're going to explain. Tonight is also a yard site of an aunt of mine, Chanaba Sevishaya. Saying a good Tibet of Father Mishpoche. And also, of course, as you know, also the Parsha, Parsha's Teodos. And someone asked me to mention, <coughs> on base Kislev is the 50th yard site of the Rosh Hashiva Lakewood. For those that are very, yeah, those that are interested out there. I have to keep everybody happy. Someone get the phones. So say the Chaim first, the Chaim Misham Shavin Aliyah. Gans call Yisrael Shav Yeshuas and Fuis for Shlema for Rav Yechiel, Rav Yechiel by Miriam. Wife's Schus is definitely standing there, davening for him. Pashas Teldes. Easier than explaining Chaya Sada, which talked about the passing of Sada. Tell this is the tale of Yitzchak when Avram, Avram had Yitzchak, the birth, the children of Avram, the children of Yitzchak. And we'll discuss at length, Imyat Hashem, the differences of the births, Avram's child, children, and Yitzchak's. But as we talk about children, we talk about tale days. We look in whom schus were the taildays. Although that it says by Yitzchok and Rivka, when they davened, it says Tfilis of Tzadik ben Tzadik is greater than Tzadik ben someone who's not a Tzadik or Bas not a Tzadik. But we know generally that the birth of a child and the raising of children. The Akeres Habayis is the mother. And whether the mother was teaching the children how to make lecho, or whether the mother was teaching the children how to be just good people and good Yidin, Shalom. Whether the mother was teaching the children The ultimate midah which we're going to discuss. And I said, I believe I said it last week as well, that I spoke for a group of chsanim recently. And I told them when you say the woman is the akeres habayis, don't only say it by your wife's eulogy. <laughs> you should be saying it when you get married, when you're under the chuppah, when you start your house and you start building your home. The first question on the first Rashi. The Eilat Teilis Yitzchak ben Avram, Avram Hedris Yitzchak and Rashi asks a question. Why elaborate on the Yichas? And Rashi writes, because there was Leitzonei Hadir Eimrim Me'avi Melech Nisavra Sara. The jokesters of the generation were kidding around and saying, kibitzing, that it was not Avram's child in essence, it was either from Avimelech or whatever, because Avram was so old. Rashi writes, What did Akadish Baruch do? Tsar cluster Ponov Shayitzchok Demel Avram. He made 
the face of Yitzchak exactly like that of Avram. So nobody could deny that it was his son. From saying Ma'asa Kaddish Baruchu, Rashi is implying that it was something not natural. It was unnatural. And therefore a miracle had to be done to make the son look like the father. Uh-oh. Mm. One minute, we got to add this person to here. Sorry. Uh-oh. No, I hope they're both here. Because I forgot to renew my subscription. So I don't know if they're allowing me. Skype is nine people. Two people should work. Um, please text me if you're, if you're not on. Adam, you should be on. If you're not on, Adam, please text me that there's a problem. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm telling him to text me if he's not on. If you can hear me, tap once. If you can't hear me, tap twice. No, I, that's pretty... Like, telling him, twice text flat, me if you're not on. Flat. If he's not on, he doesn't hear me? Oh, true. Oh, brilliant. If you can hear me, tap once. If you can't hear me, tap twice. <laughs> oh, okay. He's on. Okay. We'd like to welcome back Adam from Etzisrael. And in our envious voice, tell about his amazing, amazing spiritual inspirations that he achieved there. And you can just tell by the pictures from the one picture I got how he took it all in. And it was, I'm sure, an amazing, amazing journey. And I'm waiting for that wonderful visit here to New York where he'll sit with us in Fabreng and tell us everything. Returning back to the regular scheduled program. It sounds, it seems that Yitzchak looking like his father was a miracle. The Cheda, Rashi, you better check your genealogy here. But the nature is that a child looks like his father. It's very natural for a child to look like a parent. The father, the kid looks like his father. You have to have a miracle for this. What was the whole miracle needed here? Generally, the Gemara tells us that the child is similar to the father. When the child follows the father's footsteps and emulates his actions and does the same pattern as the father then everybody knows oh this is Chaim Zun this is Yoyin Zun this is Yoyin Zun Zun you know who it is therefore you know automatically this is his son Avram was Midas HaChesed the attribute which Avram Avinu exemplified more than anything else was chesed, kindness. What was that? You won't be able to see me because I have to renew the... Um, oh, wait a minute, maybe I can still put it on. No, I can't. I don't have group calling. Okay, I don't have group calling. Next week I'll fix that. I'll fix it after this year. That's why you won't be able to see me through this year. The more people I'll add, obviously you'll be able to hear me, but you probably won't be able to see me. Um... No, 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 it's not, you don't have to log in after. It's fine. It is known that the Midah of Avram was Chesed. 
As HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Avram Oyavai. Avram is my beloved in Schesed. <coughs> Yitzchak, on the other hand, was Gevura and Yira of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As the Pasuk says, Upachat Yitzchak, the fear of Yitzchak. Therefore, ultimately, if their attributes are total opposites, one being that of Chesed, one being that of Givura, then they wouldn't look like each other at all. You would see this one has a lit up, kind, beautiful, lovely, dear, adoring face. And this one is a person that, oh boy, he intimidates everyone that sees him. And everyone that looks and says, oh, they're scared of him. What did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He sought to it to make a miracle. And although their attributes were total opposites, <coughs> their faces were exactly the same. Which was totally, totally unnatural. This I can tell you, I can attest firsthand to the work, to the blood, sweat, and tears of a woman, literally a woman of valor, as we would say, who went out to work to help support the family, stood on her feet not normal amount of hours. And when people that came to the store, it was a houseware store, and some people that came to the store and did not have, and she knew didn't have, she saw to it always that something else ended up in their bag also, something additional. Oh boy. We're in the middle of a shear. Who is this? Oh, hi. Okay. You're trying to Skype? Okay, so Skype it and I'll put you on. I'll add you on. Okay. Okay. Check on check on Skype.com. We'll find out. Yeah, I can tell it him. You just check on Skype.com and you'll see how much it is. I don't know how much it is exactly. Um, one second, I have to add this contact. Okay. Okay. I know I can't pause the recorder now. So therefore. This person who went out on a daily basis and saw to it that there was, she was able to help she was able to help with the panos of the family a person that didn't come home and say to the kid I'm too tired children I want to just put my feet up I can't do anything now do your own homeworks and do your own work and stay and do your own, make your own dinner. Oh, there was always dinner. And as I can attest first time, well, it's not my mother, correct. But I studied for Bar Mitzvah under my uncle's tutelage. And I would walk to 17th Avenue and 43rd Street almost three, four times a week. After Yeshiva, I'd come home and do my homework and come home and do that and then go there to learn Bar Mitzvah. And it was never an imposition. And if I walked in and my aunt felt, you want to eat something? It was the first question always, you want to eat it? There was never a moment in the house where there wasn't the love and the harmony. <clears throat> Even on 16th Avenue on top of 45th Street around the corner from my grandparents' house. Wherever it might have been that they lived, they went from house to house. always standing by my uncle 
For I'm sure now too she stands by him and she's mispal for him. <coughs> and in her schus, as we say, the Nishama has an aliyah. For the Nishama goes from one level to another, although how high can it get? It's endless. And the way that the Nishama goes higher and higher is in a simple fashion by the dintaira that goes on. A little dintaira takes place in Shemaim on the day of a person's yahrzeit. And they take the person to task and the first thing they want to know, and today I went to be Menachem Oval, the Namdar family. And I went with the Rav, with the Mother of Asra, with Rabbi Azdaba. And he told a story. He told a story of a Chosid that was very involved. He would go out and he was always looking to bring. <coughs> Mikurovim, bring people from her, make people from her. And unfortunately, he lost a parent. And when he lost a parent, obviously he had to say Kaddish. He wrote to the Rebbe. He wrote to the Rebbe <clears throat> that he wants to know what should he do. Should he go to say Kaddish? Or should he go to be the of Eden? When he's going to be doing traveling, he's not usually going to have a minion. And the Rebbe answered, this is what the Neshama is judged by. This is what makes the Nishama go higher and higher. When the Maila they look and they say, Look at the children. Look at the family. And they see what the Nifter had raised. And they see what the Nifter has put into the children and the generation. And that way the Nishama is judged. That way the Nisham is judged in such a way that they say, Baruch Hashem, this Nishama will have, does have an Aliyah higher and higher. So although Baruch Hashem, my two cousins, Pinchas and Yael, I'm sure, are saying Kaddish, Kalidavim for the Amen as well, But as the sisters, whether they're dedicating a shir tonight, whether they're dedicating a dafyaymi shir tomorrow, whether it's in Munsi, in her doing her way of derecheretz, doing her way of covet to her mother, they are definitely causing an alias haneshama. They are definitely bringing about an alias haneshama that the neshama is able. To proudly say in Shamayim, Reu Bonim Gidalti, see the children that I have raised, <coughs> see the blood, sweat, and tears that I have put in in my years that I was here in Elamhaza. I'll bet they were short, but I did not was not granted a very long life. But still in all. I made the best of every moment that was I here that I was here in this world, and I saw to it that my children do the same. <clears throat> in the times of the communists, the Bergemeister was the person that took the census. He saw to it to know how many people, what were the people, where the people were. This Bergemeister happened to be a, a Chesidah <clears throat> One of the things that the Russians could not tolerate, worse than a Jew being religious, being from, 
was if a guy was Megayel. If a non-Jew converted to Judaism, this made this they went ballistic. They would find this person and kill him on the spot. They were looking the other way around to convert the Jews. So if a non-Jew converted to Judaism, this was something, this was the worst thing could happen. What would this Bergamite to do? He would do something to cause flying under the radar, help flying under the radar. How does one fly under the radar? He would go through the records of the city hall. He would find a dead Jew, the records of a dead Jew. He would take this convert, change his identity to the dead Jews. So now he's a live dead Jew. And he would then live, this convert would then live as a Jew under the guise of this other dead Jew. Plan was working well for a while until, unfortunately, <coughs> he got caught. Leisignoiv does not mean thou shalt not steal, it means thou shalt not get caught. As a matter of fact, I just heard from a friend of mine that last night the house was broken into and the thief was looking for money. So quickly the guy got dressed and he came running down he said to the thief, I'll help you. I also want to look for money here. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. Um, the Bergemeister was caught, immediately thrown into jail for going to the story of the Chaim, the Chaim, the Shomer He posted a bail, and immediately he traveled to the Alter Rebbe. He was a chosen of the Alter Rebbe's. The Alter Rebbe was known for miracle, for miracle, for wonders, and for praying for his chassidim. Befrat, this was something that the Alter Rebbe asked him to do. So he went. To the Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe heard and heard and listened and stared. <coughs> and the Alter Rebbe told him, "Push off the case, get the court hearing pushed off." And a week before the actual hearing, come back to me. And Kachava, he went. And he got it pushed off for excuses. He bribed somebody. And a week before the next hearing, he came back, he expected the Alter Rebbe to tell him that he's going to perform a miracle. But, unfortunately, it was not to happen. Again, the Alter Rebbe heard his story. And again, the Alter Rebbe told him, go back, get it pushed off again. And come back to me a week before. And this happened twice or thrice until finally they caught up with him and they said, Oh, no, no. <coughs> no more postponements. And he came running to the Alter Rebbe to say that there's no more postponements and the case is going to happen next week. And the Alter Rebbe said to him, Listen to me. My grandchild is getting married. And the Altarebbe's grandchild was getting married to a grandchild of Levi Yitzchak Badichev. Go to the Badichev, he'll help you. Chosef picked up and comes to the Badichev a few short days before the wedding. Needless to say, there were thousands of sitting there. Each one trying to get in. Waiting online. He realized this is a matter of life and death. He can't wait here. He pushed his way to the front. 
And he stood by the door. And he said, as soon as the door is going to open, I'm going to be there. Miraculously, after two, three hours, the crowd dissipated. The door opened up. He was pulled inside and told, stand in the corner. Make sure that the Baditcha is going to see you. The Badichev was lying on a bed. There were two chassidim. One was by the head of his bed. One was by the foot of his bed. One was reading Mishnayis. One was reading Zoya. The Badichev was asleep. But suddenly in his sleep, he would correct one of them. If this one made a mistake in the Mishnayis, or this one made a mistake in the Zayar, Badichev would wake up correct him in his sleep, and go back to sleep. After an hour, Badichva got up, he watched Negavasa, and he looks at the Chassid and says, why are you here? So he told him the story. So he asked him, who told you to do this, do you think? So he said, you're holy Mechutin, the Alter Rebbe. Oh, my holy Mechutin. And who told you to come here? Your holy Mechutin, the Alter Oh, my holy Mechutin. And each time he asked him another question, it was from, he referred to the holy Mechutin, the Alter <coughs> Finally, the Badichiva said, No, it's my holy Mechutin. Sent you? Then I'm sure there's no problem. There won't be any problems here. And the Chassid took the bracha and ran. Where did he run? He ran back to the Alter Rebbe. And told the Alter Rebbe what happened. The Alter Rebbe said, if my Mechutin said there's no problem, there's no problem. So he traveled back to the city where the case was supposed to happen. And he found out that at the time that he was by the Badichevet, and the Badichev was doing the questions back and forth, asking who said and what said, and every time he said, Oh, oh, my holy Mechutin, at that time, City Hall burned down. <laughs> and the town hall burned down with all the papers and all the evidence and everything that was against him, and the court and the case had to be dropped. <laughs> when we say, when we request that the schus of somebody should protect us, it sounds sometimes almost like a joke. Do we really mean that? Why do we say such a thing? Person's gone. Person's not here. Because the tachas hakavana of a person is in this world for X amount of years in Neshama Beguf. The Neshama, the Holy Soul, rests in a body and has its job and its mission. And Ashrei Mishabolakan V'Talmudei B'Yodai The Neshamas are greeted by the gates of Elam Haba by the gates of Gan Eden. <coughs> the cry is how great is it how wonderful for those who arrive here with their Torah in their hand questions asked women don't study Torah officially but a mother that saw to it that their son sat and learned Torah that saw to it that made they were eased the the, the process and made sure that child could go through learning Torah. Whether helping with the tuition or helping with, with it, whatever it might have been. Alleviated any pressures. And when she saw to it that they married and that their children, their grandchildren, were also B'nai Torah. Also people connected to Torah. This is Talmud Abiyada. This is their Torah in their hands. Amongst the brachas that Yaakov receives 
Yitzchok says, Kel Shakai. <coughs> Both referring to the names of the Almighty, Kale and Shakai. I'd like to extend this bracha to all those listening to this year. What is the concept of Kel Shakai? Shakai, the name of the Almighty God, Shin Dalad Yud, which is on a mezuzah, <coughs> which we know is the acronym of Shomet Daltot Yisrael, that watches over the doorposts of Israel, is spelled Shin Dalad Yud. When we take the letter Shin, and we want to write it out as a word, so we know how to pronounce what this letter is, it's written Shin Yud Nun. Dalit is written Dalit Lamid Sof. And Yud is written Yud Vov Dalit. We take away the Shin, the Dalit and the Yud. So Shin Yud Nun is 60. Lamid and Sof is 430. That's 490. Lamid, 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 we said, is spelled. Dalit. Dalit Lamid Tav. It's 4.30, which is 4.90. And Yud is Yud Vav Dalit. Vav Dalit is 10. There's 500. 500 is the gematria of the words Pru Uravu. To multiply and be fruitful. And this is therefore the bracha that we give <coughs> to each and every one that is in need of this. Whether they're still needing to start with the Shidduch process. Or if they're married for any time of any time, and they have not yet been graced and blessed with children, then we're giving the bracha of this week's parsha Kale Shakai, that they should be zeichet to, to the mitzvah of Pru Ravu. The words Kale Shakai themselves equal 500. No, they don't. No. They're referring to the concept of Pru Ravu. We also see this by the Ashkenazi Chuppas. By Ashkenazi Chuppas, a chasinkala taken with candles to the Chuppah. And also a Jewish woman, when she gets married, she begins to light two candles every year of Shabbos. The candle... Ner, Nun, Reish, is 250. Two candles is 500. Again, the gematria of Pruravu. Which is also why the Chasn Kala taken with two candles. And also why we light, the woman lights two candles to bring this bracha upon them. And therefore the bracha Shitakabigi Mekuyim, Pruravu, Umilu Aretz, that Every there should be no Jewish woman <coughs> that should not be blessed with God forbid with children of her own from her own womb together with her husband and there should be no man that should be left without marrying a woman and each one should find their basherta immediately <coughs> move ahead and forge ahead so they can be mekayim this mitzvah so they can ultimately also join the forces as did Chana Basar Bishaya, so that she, they too can merit to see Nisku Yirez Bonim, Ubnei Bonim, that I'll be Mekayim and learning Torah. The same too we find a very, very to that we have to say the Chaim actually to a bracha like that to the, should be the midst of the Pru Ravu and we should see Milu Kalahoretz L'chaim L'chaim We asked a question last night and it's a a state question, actually. 
Hakel kel Yaakov Vayedayim Midei Esav If the voice was that of Yaakov <coughs> If the voice was that of Yaakov So what was going on here? Why did he think that the hands felt like Esav? How could Yitzchak have been fooled even though he was blind? But if he heard Yaakov talking, then what's going on over here? And if he realized that there's something strange here, Hakel Kel Yaakov Eidayim Deisav, he should have stopped right then and there. He shouldn't have given the bracha until somebody came in, calling his wife or calling somebody else there. Who's standing here? Rivka understood that Yaakov was the one that had to get the brachas. And Rivka heard the conversation between Yitzchak and Esau, and the Pasuk says, she heard the way he said to him, Lamer, so saying. And she repeated that this is what father said, Lamer, so saying. The things that get you out of a chair. <laughs> <laughs> what is the so saying over it? Why does she repeat this? I guess about the shower. <laughs> Rivka heard Yitzchak and Esav make a plan. Esav said, Give me my blessings and I'll bring you the food. And Yitzchak said, No. Bring me the food and then I'll give you the blessing. So what went wrong? Esav <coughs> said, I'm, in, I'm worried. I know this brother of mine, Yaakov, he's a tricky fellow. I am concerned he's going to pull something over my, or the wool over my eyes. So Yitzchak said, I'll tell you what. Yaakov talks very, very refined. He always mentions God's name. He always talks in the name of God. And you are very coarse. And you talk very prost. When you come back with my food, talk like Yaakov. Imitate Yaakov. Therefore, I will know, because Yaakov, if he comes in here and tries to steal the brachas, he knows I'm blind, and he'll want to pretend he's you. How will he pretend he's you? He's going to talk like you. He's going to talk coarse. He's going to talk without respect. Because after all, he is imitating Esav. So let's catch him. You imitate Yaakov when you come in here. When I hear Yaakov's voice, I'll know it's not Yaakov, because Yaakov is not a fool. Yaakov, if he wants to steal the brachas, he's going to act like you. What was going on here? What was Yitzhak thinking that he was so determined to give the brachas to Esau? Did he really not know what kind of wicked person Esau was? Exodus explains Yitzchak's general Aveda all his life was digging ditches, digging up wells. What does this mean he dug up a well? You come to a plain area, sand, a field, and you take a shovel and you start to dig until you hit water. Or oil. Or oil. Or a, or, a, or a treasure chest, or a grave, yeah. Um, thank you for the uh, shedding, shedding light on my hole. <laughs> my ditch feels much different now, yes. But in essence, when you start to dig, you're digging a flat, you're digging a piece of ground. You're, you're, it's potluck. Today when they dig for oil, they have machines that go and they smell, smell out for you, and they can tell you, oh, Right here. Here there should be something. Something. 
It might be that somebody's car got stuck here for a while and <laughs> the oil leaked out. I like that <laughs> and that's why they're smelling it. But <coughs> you do see they do a bust sometimes. But here, when you're digging up, you're digging for a well. He didn't have a counter of any sort. He didn't have a machine of any sort. He took a piece of dry, barren land and he started digging until he got a well. This was his entire Aveda. Through digging deep enough, Yitzchak was able to reveal not just water. Mayim Chaim. Live water. What is Mayim Chaim? Mayim Chaim is Terah. So Yitzchak's entire Aveda was to take from an empty place something that's void of any kind of spirituality and through digging deep enough he brought up the spiritual sparks. Now he understands why he wanted to bench Esav. Because his whole kavana was to reveal from Esav the Pneumius. From the outside, Esav looked like a total lowlife, like a nothing. But he felt if I dig deep enough, and I dig deep enough, and I devote enough Avedis Hashem into him, I can reveal the Pneumius of his soul. So first of all, this is a lesson to each and every one of us. That even the ace of that we think we know, we meet sometimes a person that's totally devoid of mitzvahs. I go on Miftzayim on Friday and I meet sometimes people they didn't have a bris, they don't eat kosher, they don't this, they don't, they don't do anything. And Baruch Hashem, they're agreeing to put on film. I had a fellow that put on film two weeks ago. 57 years I didn't put on film. So he tells me. So I said, when was your 70th birthday? He says, how do you know I'm 70? I said, duh. 57 years you didn't put on film. It's really the only time you put on film is by Mitzvah. So 57 and 13 and 70. He says, Wow. You're brilliant. I'm going to put on film with you. <laughs> I became a prophet. <laughs> so from here we see that we have to take and we have to dig out from each and every one. No matter what the Jew looks like, no matter how far the Jew looks, and we have to bring out their Mayim Chaim. We have to bring out their true life, the Torah life in them. And this is what Yitzhak's plan was. First of all, that's why he wanted to bench Esav. But mainly, he told him, Speak like Yaakov, my child. Hakel kel Yaakov. Come back here, in order for me to give you a bracha, I want to give a bracha to somebody that talks like Yaakov. I want you to sound like Yaakov. You can feel like Esav, don't worry, Tatla. I'm not telling you to change overnight. I'm not telling you to cut your hair and then shave your, your head off and then, then put on yarmulke and citrus and become right away putting on Rashi Rabbeinu Tams and keeping Shabbos and Yom Tif and everything. I want you to start. And Yitzchok felt that by talking Edel hate. If his son will start to talk able and refined, that will affect everything else. That will affect all his other midas, all his other feelings and inner feelings. And automatically it will cause a turnaround in his child. And that's why the plan was to talk Hakel Kel Yaakov. Come to me and present me with a voice of Yaakov Avinu. Talk like a Yaakov. And Mimela, you'll talk the talk, you'll walk the walk. So that was the goal of Yitzchak. So when Yaakov appears, and Yaakov talks like Yaakov, he says, I'm so proud of you, my son, you actually did it. It sounds original. You really, really sound like a Yaakov. It's really going to work. 
And although the Yedayim were Yedayesav, he gave him a bracha, because he knew, he felt, his plan is working. It would be a miss to not devote tonight's Fabrengen, of course, to Rosh Chedesh Kislev. Shkedish Kislev is the ninth month of the year. Shkedish Kislev is the month of Geula, miracles in essence, as we find Yutes Kislev, as we find the story of Hanukkah. We'll discuss it when we get to Yutes Kislev. Now we're only at Shkedish. It was, a shred, it was in Chedesh Kislev that the rainbow was revealed to Nayak. We do the calculations, we see that Nayak ultimately leaves the Teva at the end of Cheshvan, till he brings his Karbonus, another day, etc. Till the Almighty allows eating meat, etc. Don't tell that to the vegans, please. And... <coughs> Therefore, it was in Chedesh Kislev that the rainbow shone, which of course we revert again once again. Although I want to talk about Chedesh Kislev of another perspective, but we'll go back again to the yard site. As we know, the rainbow, the significance of the rainbow, the greatness of the rainbow, the peace upon the land, the peace upon the entire world. Again, that too took place on Eshchidosh Kislev. Although we don't understand, we don't see how a person leaving this world can cause peace. But the Mata Ephraim brings down in his holy writings that more important again than Kaddish to the Neshama, to the soul, is when they look down and they see peace and tranquility amongst the siblings, amongst their children. Peace in Israel. Well, yeah, peace. Yeah, There's going to be pieces of everywhere. The, the There's going to be pieces of Syria. I'm not either. The Shredish Kislev is a day that the Rebbe returned to his house for the first time in 1977. On Sukkot, generally, the Rebbe does not sleep. The Rebbe will sit in a chair and doze a little bit, but will not lie down in a bed. Since the custom of Chabad is not to sleep in the Sukkot, and so if the Rebbe won't sleep in his sukkah, and the Rebbe tries to sit in the sukkah as much as he could, the Rebbe would not sleep generally through sukkahs. As was custom during the time of the temple, where also the people had Simchas Beis HaSheva, and therefore they didn't sleep either. They danced all night long. Heshan and Abba. The custom is by, in Chabad to say Tehillim, the night before, the eve of Hashanah Rabbah, one o'clock in the morning, Tillam is recited. And that night, Tillam finished at 2.45. Oh. After Shachris, the next morning, the Rebbe stood, and although the custom usually was to give on Erev Yom Kippur, but since a lot of people were not here for Yom Kippur, and that came for the Sukkot, or the second days of Sukkot, the Rebbe stood and gave out lekach, honey cake, to the guests that arrived. And wish them Mishanah Tevim Masukah. And it was scheduled that after Mincha the Rebbe would go home to eat. However, after Mincha, during Mincha, people arrived, more flights came in, and the people felt deprived and they lined up outside the Rebbe Sukkah. Maybe, maybe the Rebbe will have Rahmanas and give them Lekach too. Not realizing the taxing that this was on the Rebbe. The Rebbe came out from the shul and saw by his sukkah a line again and went back into the sukkah and very, very calmly and 
blessingly distributed once again graciously Lekach. The Rebbe went home, barely a half hour later was back in 770. People were shocked that Rebbe definitely did not eat, did not have time to eat. By Baidiv, the shul was full. Some people went to sing and dance in other shuls. Nine o'clock, 770 was packed to capacity. At 9.30 the Rebbe entered, the place became quiet. A shvil was somehow formed, and the Rebbe walked up from the back of the shul to his place. Ata was sold that night, and recited three times, in less than a, in a half hour. It was done very quickly. People wondering why? Some people said that Rebetzin asked for it. Other people said, listen, it was a good idea that Rebbe didn't need today. Let's try to make this fast. And Bechal, the Rebbe has a very rigorous schedule. So the first night should be a little easier, it would be nice. The first Akafa, the Rebbe went to the middle of the shul and danced with the Rashag, his brother-in-law, to the Ligan of Reblevik, the Rebbe's father's Ligan. The Rebbe went back to his place. Second Akafa, the third Akafa, normal. Each time the Rebbe turned around, watched the Sifritera, clapped, made with his hand. By the fourth Akafa, the Rebbe wasn't turning around. And suddenly the Rebbe turned around slowly and asked for his chair. The Rebbe's face was ashen. Immediately they cleared off the Bima. Anyone that was near the Rebbe, anything that they started to clear out the shul was pandemonium. They were breaking windows of the ladies' section to try to get the air circulating better in the shul. Everybody left. They barely left a minion in the shul. And everybody was outside saying, kill him. Dr. Zelikson, the Rebbe's personal doctor, personal physician, was standing there taking the Rebbe's pulse the entire time until more trained doctors showed up. The Rebbe insisted that Akafas continued. For the seventh Akafa, they wanted the Rebbe to dance on his place. The Rebbe said, that's not how it's done here. The Rebbe went back to the middle of the shul. And his brother-in-law, the Rashag, feigned that he was too weak. He himself couldn't dance anymore. And therefore asked that the Rebbe stop. The Rebbe stopped. After Akafas, the Rebbe went upstairs and locked himself in the room. His daughter, his sister-in-law, Hannah, the Shag's wife, we spoke about this last night, came to the door and knocked and said, in the name of my father, open the door. The name of the Friedrich Rebbe, he could not decline. And for that he opened the door and they came in to examine the Rebbe. They said the Rebbe had to eat something. The Rebbe said, okay, but I have to make Yiddish. So they told the Rebbe, we'll, make, we'll bring you kiddush, we'll bring you grape juice. It's lighter. Not to have alcohol. They said, kiddush yomtev is made on wine. So we'll bring wine. The Rebbe said, no, it has to be in the sukkah. The Rebbe was walking out to the sukkah, you could see the Rebbe's hand, the face was a little more color. He made it with his arm. Nobody knew what was going on. Then the Maskirim, the Gabayim, announced that Rebbe requested <coughs> everyone continue with the Simchas Yamtuf. Chassidim were dancing downstairs, but they knew that there was problems. Many doctors came, they arrived with police escorts. Doctors were flown in. And it concurred that the Rebbe 
that suffered a major heart attack. The doctors insisted that the Rebbe has to go to the hospital. The Rebbe insisted, I'm not going. Make a hospital here, the Rebbe said. And they saw that this is the determination of the Rebbe, and it will be for the Rebbe's well-being to listen to the patient, if this is what the patient wanted. They went to the Rebbe and they asked her permission to take the Rebbe to the hospital, and she said no. If he doesn't want to, he does not go. At 5 o'clock in the morning, the Rebbe's condition turned worse. Again, they started to talk about going to the hospital. Dr. Zelikson told the Rabbonim, who were trying to make get together and say, they're going to give a Psak Din, the Rebbe has to go to the hospital, and the Rebbe would listen to the Psak Din, of course. And he said, in his opinion, it's best medically for the Rebbe to stay in 770. There's advantages in the hospital, obviously, but you have to consider the patient's feelings. Dr. Ira Weiss, a heart specialist from from Chicago, was flown in. He concurred with this opinion. And realizing what a chosid is, he realized that the Rebbe, even more so, if he feels the 770 is his security, that's where he belongs. They brought many, many different pieces of equipment, Dr. Lev, Dr. Richter, prepared for any type of situation when it came to the heart. After Shachras, the next morning, announcement was made, that the Rebbe said that people should go to the shuls that they're going to go, and some data, that they always go to, they should dance with more vigor than ever, with greater vigor, And this will help me recover. During the day that I gave Shemarin Kazanovsky, an old Chosid and that's part relative of the Rebbe's as well, two bottles of vodka. So by the Fabrengen tonight to give this out. The Akafis should go on as usual. Chsidim was shocked. Chassidim was shocked because you looked at the Rebbe and you knew the Rebbe didn't eat and the Rebbe didn't sleep well and the Rebbe didn't didn't lead a lifestyle that you and I could get through. If we would try doing things that the Rebbe does and living a life that the Rebbe tried lived, we wouldn't make it through three days. And yet the Rebbe on a weekly basis would sit sometimes at night seeing Chassidim seeing people that came for the requ- with requests and beseechments until 7 o'clock in the morning. And if it was a Monday or Thursday, the Rebbe would come out and hear Kriya Satayla and go home for a few hours, and then come back by 10 o'clock. Throughout this entire ordeal, the Rebbe insists that everything goes on the normal. And the Rebbe was thriving on the quote-unquote noise of the chassidim. And the Rebbe told Rabbi Grona to go down and say by Fabrengen that when something is missing, it should be viewed as a temporary situation. One which is necessary to bring us up to a higher level. And the Rebbe said, this is exemplified in my present state. The Rebbe gave an example when doctors draw blood. They pull back from the syringe causing a f- suction. And the suction, the void of the suction brings out the blood. And so too, this situation brings everything to a higher level. After Eshkadosh Kislev, when the Rebbe finally went home, and all the, I'm going to skip fast forward to all the different problems that went through, Someone wrote to the Rebbe, or someone into the Rebbe, someone into the Rebbe to thank God, to say, Shevach Vaidoya to the Ebrister, that the Rebbe is well again. And the Rebbe told him to look at the introduction to Zayar. 
There is a story of Tanoim that we're discussing one day. Let us go up to Shamayim. Let us go to Ganadin and study Torah. And they did. They picked themselves up and went to Ganadin to sit and learn Torah. The Nishamis, the Malachim, saw the amazing fervor, the amazing Kedusha that was radiating from that Torah learning of these Tanoim. They begged and beseeched by the Almighty, let them stay here with us. And the Almighty said, no, they cannot stay here yet. They still have much to do below. And therefore they had to leave Ganeitin and come back down to earth. This was a hint that the Rebbe was referring to. When the Rebbe said, when the Rebbe came back to us, on Ashkedesh Kislev to full strength, and throughout the time, never leaving us for a moment, but giving us constant words of Chizuk, and my modem that the Rebbe would say every month of Shabbos, etc. And the Rebbe also prepared us for this time, the void of not seeing the Rebbe for so many years. Each moment that we don't see the Rebbe is another part of the vacuum that is going to propel us to the higher of highest levels, to the highest ultimate level, which will be the Gerulot Melech HaMashiach, the redemption of Melech HaMashiach on this very night, on this very Rosh and we will be able to say, we will be able to see the fruition of the prophecy, where the prophet says, Ve'kitsu ve'rananu sheikh ne'ofar, and they will all dance, all those that are resting in the ground will come and dance and sing, and they will greet us together with Melech HaMashiach, Chanabas Yeshaya Beseichon, and the seed that ain't Melech HaMashiach, Bereisham, and therefore we say the Chaim, the Chaim, the Bracha, Gut Yom Tiv, Gut Yom Tiv, Gut Yom Tiv. Shabbat Shalom to all.